Storehouse Dallas. Thanks, Annie. Boy, I got to hear some good stories about what happened at the men's retreat. I'm a little jealous. I love to go fishing. How many of you ladies love to fish? All right, so I'm thinking we need to have a ladies' retreat out there. So if we could get somebody to kind of mow the yard and get rid of all the bugs and maybe get 600 thread count sheets on those beds out there, I think we'll be good. Right, girls? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I could just see what that would look like. It's like, I'm sorry. I love the ranch. It's so dirty. (laughs) anyway um so uh good morning um so good to see everyone this morning so um you know it's it's december and uh things get really busy in december and this isn't a typical december christmas message but then on the other hand it kind of addresses kind of a mindset that we all have in america when it comes to Um, how we function in the kingdom. And so this is my part two of uh, my series on the wilderness. Um, And uh, I'm calling this one, What's in Your Heart? Um, So let me just pray. Well, Jesus, I thank you for this message. And I ask you, God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. Father, would you open our hearts and our minds that we could fully receive what it is that you have for us this morning. And Father, I pray that it wouldn't be a message that we just hear. But God, I ask you that it would make the trip from our brains to our hearts, God. I ask you, God, for the 18-inch journey this morning, Father, that it would impact us in a way that would cause a shift in our behavior and the way that we function in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start this off in uh, the book of James. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on your screen. Um, James 1, verse 2. Can you put that up there? James 1, verse 2. James 1, verse 2. So there it is. See, did you see that? The power of God right there. Um, All right, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so uh, that last sentence, if anyone lacks wisdom during trials, let him ask. Say, let him ask. So there's an instruction attached to this scripture that tells us how he wants us and what he wants, how he wants us to behave and what he wants us to do when the trials come. Let him ask God. So all of the sudden, when we get in trials in the wilderness, he said, what we're supposed to be doing is not complaining or moaning or groaning or trying to get out of it. But he said, start asking me questions because I'm actually doing something. Ask me for wisdom during this time. Ask me for heavenly wisdom. And I don't know about you, but when I ask God something, typically I've got to spend a little time listening. Have you ever tried to ask? 
but then you're like out the door and he's like, you'd hang around. I could complete my sentence. So the word trials in this uh, scripture means adversity, affliction, trouble sent by God, serving to test or prove one's character, faith, holiness. All right, so God, what? God sent the trouble. Okay. Love you, God. And it's to test our hearts to see what's in our hearts. Now, God doesn't need to see what's in our hearts, does he? He needs us to see what's in our hearts. Because you know what? I'm telling you, man, when the gravy train is flowing, I'm like so smart, so good looking. I'm so funny. I'm so popular. But when that gravy train stops, all of a sudden, what happens? And I start to look around and go, I ain't so cool. I'm not as cool and smart and good looking as I thought I was. Something is afoot. And it's not on the outside, people. It's on the inside. Okay. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm going to reread that again. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who what? Why doesn't it say to those who work really hard or those who pursue the, their destiny. Huh. So God uses the wilderness season for a purpose. And he knows, like I said, what is in our heart. And like I said last week, if you squeeze an orange, what are you going to get? And when you squeeze a Christian, what are you going to get? You should be getting the fruit of the Spirit. But typically, when you squeeze a Christian, what happens? Oh, baby, we start to manifest, don't we? We get angry, and we get depressed, and, and we start, you know, complaining and moaning, and we get all confused, and we have a pity party, and we start telling everybody about all of our problems so that they can join us in our pity party, Right? Man, yeah, it's going to be that Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. All right, so here uh, the Lord uh, started telling me, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, the Lord started talking to me like right away. And he started talking to me about this thing like the promised land, right? He started talking to me about all of the things that he had destined for me. He was like, man, let me show you, Tracy, all that I have prepared for you. Here it is. Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of who I am. And, and I've written your book, and it's glorious, and it's going to be more than you can hope or imagine, right? And so we're all like, this is going to be great. And that, and that promised land is, is, is basically, for me, I was like, I, it looked like success, you know, because I want to be successful. You want to be successful, right? I want to be popular. I want people to like me. I want to, I want to be loved. 
and I want to love people. I want to have a good family. You know, so there's, there's these things that you can mark. I want to have a good marriage. So, so we have these things that, that, are, that we're looking at, you know, that are, that are part of our lives. And, and so, so we want to advance a kingdom. We want influence. We want authority. We want power. And this describes our, our promised land but to us. But he describes our promised land differently. He says, your promised land is a man. It's me. And you're going to get all that other stuff, but you're going to get it through the heart of a man. He tests us to see what we really believe about him, about his goodness and his love. And, and, and here's the truth. The wilderness is going to tell you how you approach God. Because the truth is, most of us just use him for what he can give us and what he can do for us. We see God as Santa Claus. What are you going to do for me? How are you going to get me where I need to go? Because I'm willing to have a relationship with you based on what's in it for me. All right, so go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, it's the fifth book in the Bible. So we're going to go to the original wilderness, and we're just going to hang out there for a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 2. Give me a shot when you're there. All right. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you and know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. Okay, so I want you to picture this. So the Lord is saying this about the wilderness season. Hey, I'm going to humble you and I'm going to test you. So here you've got the Israelites, right? I mean, they have been held captive for 400 years. Think about that. You're in slavery. Your grandfather's in slavery. Your great-grandfather's in slavery. This is just the way it is, and this is all you know. And so all of a sudden, this guy named Moses, who's been hanging out in the desert, shows up as a prophet, and he's going to set you free. So you get to see these signs and these wonders unlike any that's been seen in the earth, there's not a history of this level of signs and wonders. So you've got all these plagues that come on a people in the world, which are all of the Egyptians, but yet the, the Israelites aren't experiencing any of these plagues. And so you've got all these signs and these wonders happening. So then they, they exit Egypt. They don't just exit Egypt. Now think about this. I've been a slave. My grandfather's a slave. Everybody's a slave. We're making bricks, sometimes, you know, bricks without material. Thank you very much. Moses <clears throat> but here they are they're all exit so the so the Pharaoh's like get out of here and get out of here fast because this is not going well for us 
So the Lord commands all of the people of the land who had been their slave masters to then give them all of their gold and their silver and all of their livestock. Now think about this. You're an orphan. You've never owned anything ever. And now you're carrying all this gold and this silver. You're hauling the goods out of Egypt. Now this is a good day, right? So there you go. And think about what's going through their minds. Think about what's going through your mind when you all of a sudden get an inheritance from a lost relative that you don't even know. And it's like, here's a $5 million check. And you've got grandparents and parents and everybody, nobody in your family has ever known anything other than poverty and slavery and toil. Bam, here's your money. You're like, this is a good day. So there they are, heading into the promised land, go through the river. You've got these raging waters on both sides, the sea parts, and you're looking at these walls of waters, and you're like, oh, what? Come on, honey, pull the gold and the silver. Hurry, you know? And so here they are. They're, they're tugging this stuff across. And then the waters close in, and what happens? Their enemy is destroyed. The people who had tormented them for 400 years all of a sudden got washed into the sea. I mean, you're dancing, you're celebrating, you're like, this is the best day ever. And then, like two days later, you're like, Okay, so I'm like still, what? I'm kind of getting hungry. And there ain't no water out here and there's a lot of dirt. And I was really happy like two days ago and I got all this gold or silver, but where's the mall? I mean, I, what's going on? I don't understand how I could possibly be in the wilderness because this isn't, where's the promised land? Moses, Moses, what happened? What did you do to us? <clears throat> so what they do is, this scene is not too different than where we are today. Why have you brought us out of Egypt, they said, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? But today, your language would be this, right? Are you ready? Why have you brought me out of the world system to kill me and my children and destroy all of my money and my stuff? Right? Wait a minute. What about that promised land? I was really excited like yesterday. But today, I'm stuck. All of a sudden, my money is gone. My house is gone. My marriage is, is in trouble. All of these bad things are happening to me, but this isn't what I thought. This isn't, so they had, they're, they're like on their journey, and they, they had thought in their minds the way it was going to go. Like, they had planned, okay, I see the way this is going. Okay, so everything good is happening to us. Okay, everything's getting restored, and we're going to go into the promised land. I've got all this gold and silver, and they're probably thinking in themselves about what kind of house they're going to buy, right? Oh, honey, listen, I'm going to build you a kitchen. It's going to have the newest white tile in it. It's going to have the newest appliances. I'm going to get you one of those really big washer and dryers. We're going to get a Lexus, Right? And so they're thinking in their minds the way that things are going to end up. And all of a sudden, it's no different than who you are and what's going on today is where they were. So let's be really honest about this. Because you can say the wilderness, but the truth is, the wilderness is horrible. 
There's so much loss involved in the wilderness. And it's not just loss of money, loss of resources, loss of reputation. Loss of reputation. That's really the thing that hurts. Because when you're in a wilderness season and you're on the bottom and not on the top, people look at you like you're a loser. And I can say that because I've been there. You know? And, and it's like, well, but this isn't who I am and this isn't what the Lord had said. It's just something I'm going through, right? But, you, but, but when that season extends itself and you're in that season for 10 or 15 years, you begin to identify with that instead of identifying with the word of God. And so I just want to go through some things that, that I feel like the Lord is saying. It's, it's like, listen, you can get out of this season. There are ways that God has already said, here's the way to get out of this season. These seasons should cause us to seek God and begin to wrestle with God. Remember, he said, ask me. When you fall into trials, ask me. Begin to seek me out. And see, I always thought if I'm in duress, because I'm German. How many Germans do we have in the room? Right? We can outwork anybody. I mean, we can, you know, it's hard to get a German in the grave. It's hard to get a German to stop toiling because we, we've been trained that way. And so when trials hit, I had a tendency to say, well, I just have to work harder. I just have to find a way to get out of this pain and this loss and this discomfort. I've just got to find the exit. Where's the exit? Because I can work 24 hours a day. You know, I can strategize. I have gifts and talents that the Lord has given me so I can get myself out of this situation. The thought never occurred to me that maybe what the Lord was saying is, no, no, I don't want you to work harder during this season. I actually want you to pray harder. But it doesn't make any sense because you're like, well, I'm in a season of, of being, of, of being uh, things being... Um, of a decrease. I'm in a season of decrease. How would I not start trying to increase in my own strength right now or help God help me out of the, the wilderness? But he's like, okay, I'm about to show you something. Do you believe that God mightily delivered you from the power of the enemy? Or do you believe that you're going to wander aimlessly in this place of confusion, loss, and shame? Just as the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, so he will leave you. He will lead you. Um, again, God put them in the wilderness. And he, it, the word said that he humbled them and then he tested them to see what the true nature was in their heart. And, the, and, and it says in Deuteronomy 8.3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna. Now that statement doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He humbled you. He created a hunger in you, and then he fed you with manna. Think about that, because it's kind of, it's like, wait a minute, what are you saying? You you're made them hungry, and then you fed them with manna. 
He humbled the Israelites by allowing them to hunger, but next statement declares that he fed them with manna. It sounds contradictory. How could he cause them to hunger while feeding them? Doesn't make any sense. But he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you the food that the angels ate. That's what manna was. It's the food that angels eat. And he's like, I'm going to give you this. And guess what? I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver it to you. FedEx every day. So they had what they needed. They had their daily bread. Their clothes never wore out. They had meat from heaven. They had protection from the heat and the cold. But here's what they didn't have. They didn't have what they wanted. They had what they needed, but they didn't have what they wanted. Deuteronomy 8.3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. He created a hunger by removing anything that would be satisfied, the desires and wants of their flesh, while still meeting their fundamental needs. He created this hunger to test them. So what was the test? Number one, he wanted to see if they would desire him instead of what they left behind. Number two, he wanted to see if they would seek him or what their flesh craved. Number three, he wanted to see if they would hunger or thirst for righteousness or control and pleasure. And this was their response. Out of Numbers, you don't have to turn there. Numbers 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 4. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is being dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. They remembered what they had in Egypt, and they were actually beginning to desire their slavery over their current journey. And so they're on a journey. The promised land's still ahead of them. They've still got the silver and the gold. They still have their livestock, but what they don't have are the pleasures that they thought were greater than seeking God. In Psalms 106, verse 15, and I kind of combine these two scriptures, in Psalm 78, verses 29 and 30, it says that he gave them their request, so they ate meat and were well filled. Um, for he gave them their own desire. They were not deprived of their craving, but he sent leanness into their soul. So they got what they wanted they got the extras. They got the desire of the flesh, but God did this. He said, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm actually going to also give you a lean soul. You know what a lean soul is? It means that you have a limited ability to follow God's will. You have a limited ability to have the fullness of, of love and joy. So your emotions are limited. It's your mind, will, and emotions. That's what your soul is. 
So the leanness made them unfit to endure, unable to pass God's test. So they never entered the promised land. Beloved, let me tell you something. The wilderness season is a huge test for us because there is a possibility you will not get out of it. The sin wasn't the request for meat, but that the request of what it represented. It revealed the dissatisfaction of their heart in God, and it revealed the fact that they didn't trust God's leadership. They were saying, God, what you're doing isn't enough for me. I want you to be the, the slot the, the slot, God, where I put the, the, the money in the slot machine, and I want, to, I want you to produce for me what is the deepest desires of my heart. I want to seek your hand, but not your face. And so Jesus talks about this as well. Turn to John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 22. John chapter 6, verse 22. Are y'all doing good? All right. uh, Chapter 6, verse 22. On the following day when the people saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them most assuredly. It's funny, he didn't even say, they said, when did you come here? And he's like, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So the multitudes of the people came to him not because of the signs. And it's like, okay, what are you saying here? You see, the signs and the miracles, they're actually, they, they are instruction for us. And, and it causes us to seek something. The signs and the miracles are a sign that Jesus is alive. And so the signs and the miracles will lead us to the revelation of the goodness of God. But he said this, you're not seeking me, but you're seeking the bread that filled your bellies. You're seeking the bread. You're seeking the the things that will satisfy your flesh, but you're not seeking me. It's the same as it was with the children coming out of the wilderness, coming out of Egypt. They saw the signs and the wonders which God showed them to display his majesty, his goodness, his love, his kindness, that I am a sovereign God over all the universe. And you can trust my leadership. But when they got into a place of hardship, the only thing they could think about was bread. So often today, we even seek Jesus for the wrong reasons, and we pursue his benefits and his blessings rather than him.
But we've got to grow up on the inside if we're ever going to see a change in the outside. You know, all these patterns in our lives that we go through over and over and over and over and over. It's like we want to blame all these other people or all these other things. But the truth is, is honestly, if you look in the mirror, uh, you might be and I might be the common denominator. And so God in his goodness is looking at us and he's like, let me help you. If you will seek me, I will be found by you and I'll help to get that stuff out of your heart that you didn't even know was there. It might be pride, it might be whatever, but when you're on the mountaintop, you don't realize you've got pride in your heart because you're not even, you're just like, you know, skipping around, everything's good, everything's, you know, I just look at every area of my life, man, I'm making money, everything's good, I, my kids, everything, but when tragedy hits or when everything starts falling apart, bam, 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 all of a sudden you realize if you seek God, he's saying, you know what, <clears throat> you've got pride in your heart. And all of those people in your life, well, this was for me, all those people in your life, Tracy, are just responding to this demonic stronghold in your own heart. Because everything you say and everything you do comes out of that pride. So therefore, they're just responding to that demon. What? God, that makes so much sense, God. Thanks for that. All right, so are you guys hanging with me? All right, so we've got, I've got about 10 more minutes. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10, and this is about to get really juicy. All right, so 1 Corinthians 10, Paul actually talks to the Corinthians about this, and he uses the example of uh, the wilderness. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, do not, uh, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate of the spiritual food and all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. But with most of them... God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. <clears throat> so in the wilderness, he was saying, you know, they did some things which really caused them problems. And I'm not going to go through and read the whole list, but the list includes do not commit sexual immorality, do not tempt Christ, do not complain. And, and, and so here's some things that he said, don't do this when you're in a wilderness season. Because what happens is that when you're, when you're being pressed on every side, you're looking for something to satisfy the flesh. You know, if I could just find an exit and I could just find some pleasure, then I wouldn't be in so much pain, Right? And so these are some of the things that you'll do. You'll actually complain about God or you'll complain about yourself in that time. And he's saying, don't do these things. And, and then he attributes this to idolatry. 
And he says this in verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, free, uh, flee idolatry. And in verse 16, he says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And then in verse 21, he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? An idol is trusting anything other than God. An idol is that you trust the plan. You know how you all have the plan? How do you, how do you make God laugh? You tell him your plan. Because I'll guarantee you, your plan's wrong 100% of the time. Because what does he do? He gives us daily bread. Ha, ha, ha. God's like, ha, good. okay, that plan is actually wrong. You should probably come back and talk to me about it. So... You trust in the plan. The second thing we do is we trust in our own flesh and our own strength, believing that we know more than God. <clears throat> Number three, we seek God for what he can do for us, not because of who he is. So in summary, when you find yourself in the wilderness, now is the time to pursue God and begin to ask questions. Like, why am I here? What happened? Was it, is it sin? Did I make a mistake? Did I, do I need to repent? To the conversation is not with all your friends. Because what happened to Job? He started counseling with his friends and that got him into a whole lot of trouble. And it wasn't until God himself showed up that said, hey, let me tell you something. Did you tell the ocean how far to go? Do you know where the snow comes from? From the four kernels, corners of the earth. Kernels like popcorn. Do you know where popcorn comes from? <laughs> right? It's like, man, do you even know who I am? Because if you knew who I was, you would trust me in this time of decrease. You would come to me. You would get my perspective. You would get my heart. And in this time when you're hurting, you would let me comfort you, help you, protect you, and increase you. Because what he's saying to you is, I have something amazing planned. But unless I, unless I humble you and test you so that those things that are in your heart that you can't handle and you'll hurt yourself in this next promotion, you don't have a root system of integrity and character and love. You don't have enough love in your heart to handle the blessings I'm about to pour out. You're not going to be able to sustain the pressure of this next promotion because you have pride in your heart or jealousy or rejection or whatever it is. So he's like, if you'll embrace me in this season, you'll see how I'll take those things and I'll remove them out of your heart. 
And in that process, you'll fall in love again. And you'll know that this is your safe place forever and ever and ever. And through seeking his heart in love, you're actually going to get his heart and you're going to get his hand. You're going to get his strength and you're going to get his might to carry you into his promised land. Because he is your promised land. He is your great reward. He is why he saved you. He saved you. Why? So you could go out and work? No, he's got angels. Come on. He saved you because he loves you. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. That's what prayer is all about. It's about love. And I'll tell you a great story. I've got five minutes. When I started this house of prayer, the Lord told me to, uh, he he said, I want you to to build my house of prayer. And I thought, okay, is there any other way that that could work? Could I just go out and start doing things for you, serve the poor? And he's like, no, no, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray 12 hours a week. And the th- that thought at the time, I, I could pray like maybe five minutes at a time. And I thought, oh, man, I have a really loud soul life. That's going to be really hard for me. And so I, I, I said yes. And it was at a time where I didn't have 12 minutes in my day versus 12 hours a week. And, um, but I said yes to him. And it's so weird how when you're in a wilderness season and the Lord puts his finger on you and goes, okay, you don't have any time, you don't have any energy, you don't have any money, I want you to come away with me and I want you to spend six hours a day with me. And you're like, okay, so that's like the opposite of what I had in mind. And so at the most destitute time, he said, I'm going I'm to call you away. Well, that doesn't make any sense because i got to pay the bills. And i got to take care of my kids, and I don't have any time, and I'm out of energy, and I'm so tired, and I'm sick, and, I'm, and my family's hungry, and what? He's like, yeah, trust me, Tracy. And, you know, it got to the point where I didn't have anything to lose. I was like, well, I've lost everything, and I don't have anything else to lose. So might as well try, the, try God. I mean, that's, you know. And so I did. I started praying 12 hours a, a, a week. Um, and this most remarkable thing started happening as I did that. God started meeting me one-on-one. It was like, wow, I'm not even at church. I'm not even in a worship service. You know, I'm not hanging out with a bunch of prophets. You're just coming to see me. I mean, you know, the shakes that you get, the crying that you get, the snot. Like you're having a legitimate encounter. The spirit of God is like a pillar on you. And you're like, you know? I just thought it was, you know, that, that prayer was a nap. Whatever, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be all like, whatever, that's not me. So as that began to happen, Everything in my life began to turn around. And it was weird. It was like my whole life got oiled. 
like grace all of a sudden fell on my life. And all of those things that were so hard weren't hard anymore. Because I was trying to go out and work in my strength to make things happen. And I was exhausted all the time. But when I just went to the Lord and just started saying this, I mean, I wasn't like asking him for anything. I was just saying, I love you. I love you. Boy, I hope this works. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you. All of a sudden, everything in the universe started coming to me. He was commanding his angels because you lift up the name of Jesus, he'll draw all men to you. (sighs) Started coming to me. I would have people showing up at my door. I would say, you know, Lord, it would be great to have a worshiper next day. Hey, I heard you needed a worshiper. (laughs) I needed help with my daughter who's a quadriplegic, right? She just had her accident, full-time care, nurse right here. And I was exhausted, and I was like, God, I really need help. I just need help. Next day, I get a phone call from the state of Texas, mind you, Health and Human Services, like they know my telephone number. Hey, I heard that you need help. That's the first thing they said. So what's happening now? I'm in the wilderness, but I've said yes to asking God for wisdom and seeking him, not for his hand, but for his heart. And in that love relationship, he begins to move heaven and earth on my behalf. And all of the things that I was worried about and all of the things that were weighting me down, he went about and took care of. And I was like, this is a very interesting scenario. This could be like the secret of life. I pray you work and I get the benefit. This is insanity. God, why doesn't anybody else know about this? Because I see all these Christians and they're exhausted and whining and worried and stressed and divorcing and, but this is good, right? All right. So, I want to just kind of reset things today because I believe that a lot of us are still in that wilderness season. And you know, the great thing about life, and for all you young people, by the way, life doesn't go like this. Life goes like this. Woo! Sorry. (laughs) Everybody who's in their 40s is like, "Mm mm-hmm. So... Knowing how to navigate and knowing the season that you're in is really important. And if you're in a wilderness season, I just want you to stand up. Because I'm going to pray over you. So what we need is we really need the grace of God to stop. We need the grace of God to return back to our first love. To get off the hamster wheel, because guess what? It don't go nowhere. It just keeps turning around and around and around. And, and, and to say, if, if, I, if, if I expect a different result, I might have to actually do something different. I might have to be wild. 
I might have to risk everything by saying, God, you tell me how many hours a week you want me to pray. You know who I am. You know my schedule. God, you tell me how many hours. For me, it was 12. Now, I, 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 it's a lot more. Sometimes I'm out slaying giants, and it's less in that season. Sometimes he's like, back your car into the, 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 under the shadow of my wings, girl, because you're in a wilderness season. You need to be in prayer, and if you will be in prayer, tell you what, that season, you will get out of that place, and God will start moving and killing the giants for you. So, Father, we are asking you today, God, would you put some worship music on? <clears throat> Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? God, we don't want to be like the Israelites. God, we don't want to seek your hand. We're not just asking for bread, but we're asking for the bread of heaven. We're asking for that we would live every day by the word of God. And so, Father, you see every heart that's standing up here. You see every single person that is standing up. You know what their schedules are. You know what, what their heart is crying out for. You know what hurts them and what has hurt them. And you know the condition of their wilderness. And I am asking you today, Holy Spirit, would you come and pour out on them the grace to begin to turn away from seeking their own exit. And God, would you move on them? Would you tell them what their life in you looks like? How they can be a priest that ministers unto the Lord. Day and night, God, I'm asking for the spirit of the tabernacle of David to fall on them. That they would become and have a one thing desire, God to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of their lives. So that God, you would build their houses. God, I ask for resurrection power to land on them even now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and land on us? Holy Spirit, would you come? God, we repent for seeking our own way. We repent, God, for seeking after all that you can do for us without seeking a relationship with the lover of our souls. Just tell him in your own words how much you love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And we turn, we repent, and we turn back to our first love. We turn back to our first love. And your word in Revelation 2 says that when we do this, that you will forgive us, and you will give us the tree of life, that we will eat of the tree of life, your sweet voice, would you encounter us in a real and powerful way? And would you bless us as we make this vow and commitment?
to love you with all of our hearts. And God, today I ask you that you would seal us. Would you put a seal on our hearts and put a seal on our arms? Father, we ask that your name would be written on our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.